All right, so if you have a Bible, Psalm 23. The English language has phrases that describe moving from one difficult situation to a more difficult situation. Examples of this kind of intensification are things like things are going from bad to worse, or out of the frying pan into the fire, or when it rains, it pours, or my favorite, it's when you discover the light at the end of the tunnel is actually a headlight of an oncoming train. In Psalm 23, verse 4, we have an intensification of that sort. Last week, when we looked at Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3, we found that this meandering, circuitous path of life, we as Christians must come closer to our Lord who is our shepherd. Now what happens when the path that we lead seems to take us face to face with an oncoming train? When we don't feel like we can move closer to Jesus, much less move at all. What happens when we feel incapacitated by life's weighty twists and turns? Or to use the famous language of the passage, what happens when we find ourselves traversing the valley of the shadow of death? You know those times it's when you get a frightful diagnosis and you feel covered by a cloak of despair. Or when you find out your wife, your husband cheated on you and you're plunged in a, in a fog of hopelessness. Or when one of your children wanders away from you and the family and the very sun seems to be eclipsed in the sky by sadness. Or you lose a best friend, someone closer than a brother or sister, and you fall into a pit of dark despair. It's those kinds of times. Or maybe when you finally stare death in the eyes and you see darkness staring back. What happens then? You see, the temptation in those valleys is to bow to a raging and cascading fear. But that is not what our shepherd wants for us this morning. And that moment of unbridled panic is what Psalm 23, verse 4, speaks to. It shouts and shakes the foundations and ramparts of evil and says, Fear not, your shepherd is with you to protect you. Your troubles may press closely, but not closer than your shepherd. Darkness never so overtakes you that your shepherd isn't closer still. Fear not. Your shepherd is with you to protect you. Like we said last week, our call as Christians is to move closer to our shepherd. This week, we see when our shepherd moves closer to us. We don't always walk in death's dark shadow, but when we do, the Lord himself comes closer to us. Let me show you. We're going to look at Psalm 23, verses, just verse 4 only, but I'm going to read the whole chapter. Verse 1. You can follow along with me in your Bible. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. And today's passage. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I need the Lord's help, so would you join me as I pray? Lord, every day is a gift from you, but Sundays are unique. It's the only day in all the week that we as a people get to gather and open the Word and let the Word speak to us. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would be here in power, overcome my many weaknesses and frailties, And I pray that you would speak to us through your word preached. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Fear not. Your shepherd is with you to protect you. And we see this in two simple points this morning. First, he leads us. He leads us. He leads us even into the valley of the shadow of death. You might think, what? Well, ancient shepherds, would often relocate their flocks up into the mountains for the summer. It was a way to gain some relief from the unrelenting heat and enjoy cool breezes up in the mountains. But the journey from down in the foothills up to the mountains was often perilous, and the path to the top was through canyons, and these canyons cast imposing deep shadows that concealed, often concealed, bandits, And predators, there could be angry floodwaters that jump up in a moment or poisonous plants that the shepherd had to steer the the sheep away from. But at the top, there were lush meadows for the sheep to enjoy. But the journey was treacherous. Now you might wonder, does the Lord really lead us through such dangerous places? The answer to that is an emphatic yes. I'm going to show you. Look at verse 3. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, when we think he leads me in paths of righteousness, we think, man, this is all goodness and happiness and cupcakes and unicorns and all kinds of smiley friends all around us. But then we see where else does he lead us? He leads us in verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, our shepherd only always leads us one way, and that is the right way on the right path. And sometimes, sometimes those paths that the shepherd leads us on is through the valley of the shadow of death. And you might be wondering, is verse 4 just about dying? And the answer to that is yes and it's no. 
If you're reading the ESV, the English Standard Version, which is what I'm preaching from, there's a lot of good translations. This is the one we we preach from here. There's a little bit of ambiguity in verse 4, and it's noted by a footnote. Now, we all know the famous bit of text that goes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but the ESV rightly indicates that it could be rendered with the aid of a footnote, if you have it, I'm trying to pretend like I can read right now because I have reading glasses not on my face, but I can see, I can see though that it says number six down at the bottom or the valley of deep darkness, even though I walk through the valley of deep darkness. Now, I'm not going to bore you with a Hebrew lesson. Hold your applause. But however, the Hebrew was not originally rendered with vowel markers. So the word... Like deep darkness, it could be rendered deep darkness or death shadow. Both work. And let me show you how. It sounds strange, but let me show you. Originally, you know, normally it's not, there's not a lot of ambiguity, but sometimes we run into situations like this. Sometimes we have a word like this. In English, we have the word C, or the letter C-N-T-R. And let's say, let's decide we want to provide some vowels, right? What could that be? Well, one word that could be is center right? Another word that can be is contra. Another word that can be is cantor or singer. And I suppose sometimes century, because why can be used that way as well. And so similarly, so just, just you, you recognize, oh, there's some ambiguity here. This could be some ambiguity. Similarly, the text could be rendered valley of deep darkness or valley of the shadow of death. And you think, well, who cares? Here's why this matters. This text is not just about dying, it's about living too. Because there are times that you feel in this life, like dying, when your troubles weigh upon you as heavy as death. This text is not just something you pull out when you're on death's door. It's something you pull out as you walk through situations that make you feel like you want to die. Sometimes we are plunged by, as Christians, we are led by Jesus into the valley of deep darkness, and we can't see. Now, I want you to notice something about, in passing, about this valley of deep darkness. First, there is real danger. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's not make-believe. David doesn't tell us, don't worry, there's really nothing to be afraid of slinking around in the shadows, there is, there is. Our world, our dark and fallen world, conceals a great many enemies with evil intent toward us. One author says, the valley of the shadow of death is a scene of great and uncommon distress, of such trials as overpower the soul, throw it into amazement, break its purposes, fill it with alarm and horror. That happens to Christians. There is real danger. And part of the reason we need to see this is because, well, it's because sometimes what it takes for some of us to trust the Lord and turn to Him is to face this kind of real danger. Because we go through life thinking, we're good, we got it. I'm fine, I don't need help. (laughs) There is real danger. And secondly, something else to notice about the valley of deep darkness, there's rarely understanding. 
just that the flock could not possibly understand why it was worthwhile to travel such a hard road, we are much the same. We find ourselves in these dark valleys and we don't immediately understand. In times that are hard and difficult, we want the comfort oftentimes by way of explanation. And we think, if I only understood why I was going through this, it would be so much easier. It would make so much more sense. But notice, we are not promised an explanation. Right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord will explain everything to me and it's all going to be okay. Nope. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. There's no explanation described here. See, the reality is, even if we were, even if the Lord did stop and say, okay, listen, I'm going to explain to you why you're going to have to go through this trial that's going to make you feel like you want to die. It wouldn't help us. And if we understood, we'd probably argue and say, listen, my spiritual GPS says, let's go a different way. Let's go that way. It looks nicer. Or maybe, can you just get me a helicopter? But the truth is, the Good Shepherd has his own purposes for us, and he rarely stops to explain them to us. This psalm, Psalm 23, offers a better comfort than freedom from danger or a clear understanding. What freedom is that? It's the freedom. He gives us a reason not to be afraid. Instead of promising, hey, there's not any real danger, or telling us why, what does he do? He promises himself. Fear not. Your shepherd is with you to protect you. Which leads us to our second point. We've seen He leads us everywhere. We see also that He is with us. Did you notice that? Verse 4 again. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why is it David able to say, and we ought to be able to say, we fear no evil because of the next four glorious words. For you, five, five words, sorry, can't count. For you are with me. For you are with me. Fear not is the most common command in the Bible. But every time, it's a command with a reason attached to it. Why? Whenever you hear, don't be afraid, always ask why. Because it's not like you say, well, we're in church. We're supposed to say, don't be afraid. That's not very helpful when we're not in church. Because there's 166 hours in the rest of the week we're not in church. Why? Why do we not have to fear? For you are with me. And this right here, friends, is where we see our shepherd moving closer. And it's reflected in the very language of Psalm, of Psalm 23 in the transition from verses 1 through 3 to verse 4. Now I want you to look on the screen and notice the bolded words. So, all right, ready? Go. The Lord 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Look at that. He, bolded, makes me lie down in green pastures. Second, he leads me beside still waters. He, third time, restores my soul. Fourth time, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then we have a transition in verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. Nope. For you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What does that mean? Well, the grammatical way to say that is he's shifting from the third person to the second person. But if you're like me, I don't speak grammar. I speak English. David goes from talking about the shepherd to talking to the shepherd. You see, at first he starts out and says, well, let me tell you what the shepherd does for me. He, 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 I don't, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then you walk into the valley of the shadow of death. Then you walk into that moment where you are in the, in the shadow of deep, deep darkness. It's at those moments your shepherd comes so close that it ceases to be a clinical rehearsal of truth, but your personal experience. When you go through this valley of the shadow of death, it's not enough just to know about God. It's there, and in those moments, you really get to know who he is because he's right there. And you start to be able to speak to him, and the transition goes from stuff that he does out there to what he does for me here now. David Gibson says, if I speak in the third person, that's talking about God, it is possible that I have known the benefits of the shepherd by being, being a sheep among, one sheep among many in the flock. And of course, that is precious. But by speaking in the second person, aren't we subtly aware of a more intimate, deepening relationship? It is somehow as if all the other sheep are not really in the frame at this moment. The individual relationship that has been presumed and implied all the way through now takes center stage. For this central confession of faith to respond so clearly, this is between you and me personally, and the deepest comfort I have is that you are with me. You can see one of the ways that we survive these, deep dark, these, these times of deep darkness is we start talking to him. And we start rehearsing the, the promises of God, not in an abstract way, but in a personal way. I know you are with me. I know you are protecting me. I know this. I know this because this is what I'm experiencing and this is what I'm reading in the Bible. Evil may come close, but our shepherd is always closer. The Lord is always closer than our troubles. Our paths may take us past the mouth of an open cave with bones piled up outside where we hear screamings, screams coming from within, but the Lord is with us. And we do not have to be afraid no matter what we face. This is so helpful for me that the Bible is not a book of fairy tales painting life in idealistic tones. Saying, if you're good, only good things will happen to you. Or, if you have enough faith, you're never going to face real trials. Or, 
If you're earnest and have your devotions every day, you don't really have to worry about too much. Or if you're faithful, you'll be fine. You don't have to go through valleys like this. Those are all lies, friends. Those are all lies. Those are lies. We, as Christians, are led at times by the hand of God through valleys of deep darkness. Now, he doesn't just send us on in and say, good luck. He goes with us. The deeper and darker the trial is, the closer the Lord is. He is never far away from us when we are plunged into darkness's depths. Friends, the safest place you can be is wherever the Lord is, even if that's in the valley of the shadow of death. Fear not, for your shepherd is with you to protect you. And we get some reasons. What does it say? The last little sentence in verse 4. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So now we have implements of comfort that the shepherd has. Now I think we're all familiar with the shepherd's staff. It was long and curved at the end, and it was designed to redirect and retrieve wandering sheep who were trying to go off the path. And the, the shepherd would gently get his, his staff and gently pull it back. Gently say, oh, no, not that way. Okay, no, no, we're going this way. But the rod was altogether different, Jack. The rod was something about this long. Maybe this is a little long. About like this. And a shepherd would walk around it in his dominant hand. So if he's left-handed, he had in his left hand. If he's right-handed, he had in his right hand. And this was what's called the business end. (laughs) Right? So with the sheep, he gently takes the, the staff and he gently moves the sheep around. But when a coyote comes, business end. A mountain lion, business end, right? A bad guy, business end, right? So the business end thwacks them on the head and does some damage. That's what the shepherd has. So the shepherd has two things, right? He has this rod. He has that staff. And that can do a whole host of damage. But this is what the shepherd does for us. He protects us with both the rod and the staff. And we need both the staff and the rod. We need the staff. That's, that's, that's discipline. He gently redirects us so that we stay on the right path. Think about how patiently our Lord is constantly redirecting us. Our minds wander. Okay, back over here. We get distracted by shiny things in the world. Oh, let me go make more. No, back over here. Kindly, gently. We're not struck by lightning or immediately cast away. The Spirit of God gently delivers conviction quietly, oftentimes in our hearts. And when we don't respond immediately, it's not like the Lord says, all right, I'm bringing out the rod. No, he gently redirects us with his staff, sometimes through the preached word. Sometimes through a faithful friend. Sometimes through just reading your Bible. Sometimes just in a moment, recognizing what's right and wrong. 
We need the staff to redirect us. His discipline is always kind and gentle. And in fact, sometimes where we need to be disciplined comes out most clearly as we walk through the valley of deep darkness, as we face the valley of the shadow of death. In other words, friends, we need protection from ourselves. See, there's enemies out there in the shadows, but guess what? <laughs> I know this. I'm my own worst enemy. And wherever I go, I go. And I bring my greatest enemy with me. So if I go over here, here's my enemy with me right now. If I go over here, here's my enemy. And in fact, we're all the same. What we need to do is remember that we need protection from ourselves. And that is what discipline is for. He protects us from ourselves. He will not allow us to wander away and run. He will come and get us. It's very simple to wander away into stubbornness or fall into the crevasse of lust or trip on the rock of greed or bite other sheep with gossip. And the Lord is kindly, gently redirecting us. Our faithful shepherd comes close to us to protect us from ourselves. How huge a trap it is for us to trust ourselves too much. That may be the most dangerous thing that all of us can engage in on a weekly basis. To trust ourselves too much. So what are some signs that you might be trusting yourself too much and, and the, the, the shepherd is redirecting you? Here's some possible ones. Could go on and on. I know these because I know my own heart. What are some signs that we could be wandering? You're not easily corrected. You regularly think, they just don't understand me. You judge people internally. You're constantly and easily offended. You've come to terms with sin in your heart or some specific sin, not all sin, maybe one sin, and you've stopped fighting or are tempted to stop fighting. You don't prioritize the gathering of the saints or fellowship with the saints. Those are all very, very dangerous signs. And maybe the Lord is really, is just gently redirecting you back with his staff. We need protection from ourselves. We also need protection from our enemies. And that's what the rod is for. He uses his staff to gently redirect his sheep. He does not gently redirect his enemies. He cracks them over the head. Now the primary weapon he wields, or the primary enemy we have, I should say, is Satan. And his name tells it all. Satan means accuser. And he pours forth a torrent of accusations against the saints. And they hit especially hard when we go through the valley of the shadow of death. Things like, you deserve this for what you did, for what you think. See, the trouble with his accusations is that they're often true. We did do them. We have failed. See, Satan and his demons watch us closely and note very well those places where we are weak. They note our sins and our failures. And he's an expert at 
accusing us of past and present sins, trying to convince us that we are unworthy. But Jesus, our shepherd, beats back this enemy of our souls with the rod of the cross, primarily. Think about what Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, in, and, and let's correlate it with how our shepherd co- uh, protects us from our enemy. Colossians 2.13 says, And you, that's all of us, that's plural you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, that just means unbelievers, God made alive together with him, that him is Jesus, having forgiven us all our trespasses. How? By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside. What did he set aside? He set aside the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. What was the legal demand? The legal demand was death. That was the sentence that went along with the, with the debt that we owed. This, though, he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So friend, when the devil communicates that you are a sinner and that you have, you have fallen short, he's right. But while the devil might count up your sins, Jesus doesn't. He has counted them up. And that record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands has now been set aside. It's been obliterated. It's been destroyed. That record is no longer in the files. <coughs> By his death, our Lord canceled the record of our sins. Now, our sins were not imaginary. The guilt and the shame was real and it was justified. All of our many sins were recorded and they made up a record of debt and that record was real and it all stood there shouting guilty and we were guilty and, we, and that guilt came along with the demand that we must die. Imagine if you knew of a document that recorded everything you did wrong in excruciating detail and nothing was missed. Every word spoken in anger, every thought baked in lust, every unspoken bitterness, every unsavory action, every vain imagination, every secret agenda. And if you knew that document existed and it was about you and what you've done, what would you want to do with it? You want to make sure it doesn't fall in the, right, in the wrong hands. You try to hide that document away, put it in a safe, hide it in a dark corner. Put it in a place that only you knew about. But hiding it doesn't make it false. We need something better than a good hiding place. And that's what Jesus has done. He canceled that record of debt. The reason he was able to set aside the legal demands was because he took upon himself the legal demands of our sin when he was nailed upon that cross. The record of all of our wrongdoing was destroyed along with Jesus on that cross. And the protection that we have now from the devil. Now the devil may still have a partial record of our debts. But those debts, because of Jesus Christ, cannot and does not separate us from God. And the great lie that we can be told by the devil is that we're going through these hardships and troubles... Because of those debts. Now, sometimes we do stupid things and we have to 
bear the responsibility. That's, that's, sometimes we taste the bitter gravel of life circumstances in our lives because we do dumb, dumb things. All of us do that. But there are other times when we are plunged into situations that are dark and distressing and it's from nothing that we did. Those are the times that are most confusing. And the devil can come along and say, well, it's because... Da, 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 da. You know, he doesn't make up stupid things like, well, you led the French Revolution in the 1700s. You're like, no, I wasn't even alive. Or, you know, he doesn't say dumb things like that. He knows where to push. But we don't have to be afraid because our Savior picked up the rod of the cross, as it were, and crushed the devil. More than that, crushed the record of our sins. And so no longer does that record stand against us. No longer does that record have any place between us and God. All the evidence against us has been destroyed. The record is gone. And those are canceled. So Satan's great tool is accusations that he can hurl. But friends, now he is disarmed. He is disarmed. And we have no reason to fear him, no matter what he says, no matter what he knows. Your shepherd is with you to protect you. Fear not. Your shepherd is with you to protect you. Notice one last thing about verse 4. Look again at the beginning of verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's a little bit hopeful right there. It doesn't say, even though I camp in the valley of the shadow of death. No, no. We're just passing through. It's always only temporary. Though we go through hardships and time does seem to stand still, it is always only temporary. We walk through this valley of deep darkness led by our Lord with us right next to us. We don't camp there. Now the trip and the travel may be longer than we would have expected, but we don't stay there. And this is exhibited most profoundly when physical death overtakes us. The mortality rate for mankind is 100%. And this, in that moment, is where our shepherd comes even closer. And it's at that point his protection is most important. As a pastor, I've sat with many people who are about to die. And as I'm keenly aware that I can only go so far with the saints that are in my care. I can escort them right up to the edge of death, but then I stop. I can't keep going. See, it's in that moment we need somebody stronger than 
some pastor or friend or father or mother. And there's only one who continues to walk with us. And his name is Jesus. Derek Kidner says, only the Lord can lead a man through death. All other guides turn back. And the traveler must go on alone. But we never go alone if we are with Jesus. He guides us on that day that, we, that He has circled for all of us to die. He guides us through the valley of the shadow of death into the courts of the Lord. Why? And how is He able to do this? Because Jesus, our shepherd, went into the real valley of death. Not just the shadow of it. He went into the real valley of death alone. And there was no one wielding a staff or rod for his protection. He was entirely by himself. He was completely scorned and rejected by his father. There was no one promising to walk with him. There was real evil for him to fear. There was no comfort for him to take solace in. He did not just face the shadow of death. He faced the substance of death. Not only that, but my many sins and your many sins, if you're a Christian, were heaped upon him and he owned them as his own. And his father scorned and rejected and punished him for our sins. And then death consumed him. Not the shadow of death. Not some deep darkness, but death itself. But he got up. He died. But death could not incarcerate our Lord. He rose and didn't just escape death's domain. He beat him down. And now, that means Jesus, our champion, has defanged death. And there is no sting. If you're a Christian, there is no sting in death's bite for us. We only have to walk through the shadow of death, which holds no threat. Spurgeon said it this way. The shadow of a dog cannot bite. The shadow of a sword cannot kill. The shadow of death cannot destroy. Friends, we have great reason to fear not in this life, come what may. In the next life, come what may. Because our shepherd is able to protect us now and to the uttermost. So let me ask this question. Does fear get the better of you? Now let me be clear. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you have much to fear. He's not with you in the same way. The extensive record of your sins still stands. But you can pledge yourself to Jesus, and as you do that, He pledges Himself to you. You need only to ask. And then you don't have to be afraid 
anymore. Christians, what about us? I wonder, I don't wonder this about me, I know this about me. Fear gets the better of me too much. Am I the only one? Probably not. The answer for us is not to come up with elaborate coping mechanisms. The answer is not to look inside into our internal inside to try to plumb the depths of our souls to find some internal resources to deal with this kind of fear. The answer is to look to our Lord and Savior who is with us. You see, when the Lord pledges himself to someone, he never leaves them. You may not always be able to discern his presence as clearly, but he is always there, and he is always there to protect us, and to keep us, and to guard us, and to guide us. So when we get a frightful diagnosis, the Lord is there. When, when, when we find that our spouse cheated, the Lord is there. When we, when we hear that our ch- children have wandered, the Lord is there. When we lose our best friend, the Lord is there, and he's there to protect us. And when we walk through these valleys, he's not just there, he comes closer. Friend, your Lord, your shepherd, your Savior is closer than your troubles. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray for those here who are afraid. I'm not going to ask you to identify yourself, but I'm going to give you a few moments as I pray just to be able to ask the Lord for help and to believe that he really does come closer to you and he really does protect you. Join me as I pray. Lord, we live in a frightening world. We're grateful that we have a powerful Savior. And so, Lord, I pray that you would, Lord, even as I I know that there are people in this room who right now are walking through, they're traversing the valley of deep darkness. Maybe they've been in this valley a long time. Maybe they don't feel like they can see any way out and there's no, there's no hope and hope is all extinguished. I pray, Lord, that you would... I pray that you would show yourself to be who you are, closer than the trouble. Lord, thank you so much that we know that we have no reason to fear, Lord. And and I pray for those who are walking through death's dark valley now. I pray for those that are afraid. I pray that you would show yourself to be the God who is with them to protect them. I pray that they would not entertain uh, Satan's accusations. I pray that they would, as they think about circumstances and troubles and trials, that that may dominate their horizons, Lord, I pray that you would help them to be able to look to you 
I pray that you would help them to be able to see you. I pray that they would be able to trust you and have just the, the, the confidence that you're right there with them to help them and protect them. I pray that we would be a people who don't just talk about God, but talk to you. Saying, you are the reason I do not have to be afraid. You are the one who protects me with your staff and your rod. You are the one who is with me to protect me. Lord, we don't understand all of your purposes for our lives. We can't possibly pretend to know all the reasons things happen to us the way they do. But we're grateful that you are with us. And while you, while you rarely pluck us out of dark and distressing situations in, a, in the blink of an eye, you always walk with us through these situations. So I pray that you would strengthen us, those that are afraid. I pray that you would build up weak knees. I pray that you would help us to be a people that are strong, not in self-confidence, but strong in the understanding that our strength and our resources can only come from you. I pray that we would be confident, not in ourselves or our own ability, but be confident in you and all that you are doing. Thank you that you are with us and that we do not have to be afraid. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray.